about uh, 20 years, 21 years ago this, this month. And uh, I remember at that time in life, I didn't have much more than a backpack uh, full of stuff and some boxes of, of, of you know, kind of junk, basically. And that's kind of all I had to my name. Uh, I remember Dustin and I had been dating for a while, about a year or two earlier. Uh, my parents moved from Colorado out here to San Diego. And so I had this stuff I didn't know what to do with, so I remember uh, being able to put it into Dustin's parents' garage. They had plenty of space there. And I remember that was kind of a big step in our dating relationship, like, wow, my stuff's going to be in her parents' garage. You know, this is a big commitment. You know, we're taking it up a notch here. But, uh, but we moved out here and, uh, and got married, uh, uh, almost 21 years ago. And, uh, just since then, God has blessed me so much. Obviously, my relationship with Him, my, my relationships with my family, my, my kids, all of that, all the relationships and the spirituality God's blessed me with. But even with things, even, even materially, God has blessed me. You know, I was able to, uh, get a great career, um, as a product manager and uh, doing marketing and, Making good money, I was able to, we were able to buy a house about 15, 16 years ago, and God really blessed us, we bought it at a good time, and you know, just different things, God just blessed me with this and this and this, and uh, and I look at all I have now with, with three kids, and uh, uh, you know, we own our own home, and, and we, we went into the ministry, it took about a third of pay cut to go into the ministry, but that was a great thing, just to be able to do what I love to do and do it full time. And uh, just to have that, uh, to be full-time in the ministry, to have all these things that we have. You know, all our kids are, we, we were kind of praying and thanking God for all these things. We have so much. And uh, it's kind of overwhelming. But you know what happens is with things comes stuff, comes responsibility. You know, everything that you, every new thing you add, it's something else you got to maintain. Something else you got to dust. You know, something else you got to fix when it breaks down. You got to, you know, it's just more and more and more. And so that... I was thinking about so many things that I'm stressed about or you're stressed about so many times boil down to just stuff. And so with with things, with blessings, God piles all these blessings on us, but with the blessings sometimes comes some stresses and, and you know, we can get a little tweaked in the way we view our stuff. And so this series is good because it, it's kind of how we should view possessions, how we should view our stuff. And it's based on this scripture, uh, this story that Jesus told. Oh, let me try this one. I got Duplication here. There we go. There we go. It's based on this uh, scripture, this story Jesus told in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So this is what the, the treasure principle of the series is based on. This story right here of a guy who finds a field. It's just an ordinary field, boring, dull. Uh, but in that field is hidden a treasure. Nobody else knows it's there, but somehow he discovers it's there. And so in his joy, he went and sold everything he had because he knew this field contained something that was of so much greater value than everything he possessed. And so the treasure principle is about understanding that, understanding what true treasure is all about. And, and, and when we understand that, it should produce joy. Was he, was he, did he, does it say he begrudgingly sold all he had? Or he went and was like, oh man, I have to give up everything. No, it says in his joy went and sold all he had. So there's an exciting thing when you understand the kingdom of God and how much value it has and, and what spiritual treasure is all about. It produces joy in us. So that's our prayer, you know, as we're as we're focusing on these things, as we're going through the series, is that it would bring you joy. 
Because this is a time of year that can bring stress. Uh, it can bring, you know, oh man, I, I wish I could find, I wish I could do more. I wish I could give more. I wish I could buy this for my kid. And I can't, you know, just, it can bring some of these things. And, and when we get the right perspective, it brings you great joy. Just to give you a little, uh, a video that gives you a little bit of the feel, uh, the flavor of, of what I think this guy felt like. I want to show you this, this video clip. This is a guy who, uh, it's a, it's in a different language, but you'll get the idea. He's a Swedish guy who hiked solo across Antarctica, all the way to the South Pole. And he needed to travel really light because, you know, he was out there for months. And so he would, he would hide things and, 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 uh, like, he would hide, uh, uh, stuff to, to sustain him so he, when he, on his way back, he could stop and get, get stuff to, to kind of keep, stay alive. So at this point, he's been in for 86 days. This is day 86. So almost three months, he's been hiking by himself with just a video camera, uh, logging his trip to the South Pole. And this is on his way out. And he doesn't remember, he, he purposely didn't remember, the, you know, or log the things that he buried. So at this point, he finds what he's buried. And, uh, and, and we'll watch this a little video clip here. He's digging up his stuff. It's a face of joy. That's a face of tremendous joy, isn't it? And uh, I, I, we don't have time to see the rest, but he finds a chocolate bar and he gets even more excited about the chocolate bar than the cheesy puffs. But, you know, that's the kind of joy we're talking about when you, when you know, when you discover, when you understand what is hidden in that field and the value it has. It's like, man, this is incredible. I can't believe how awesome it is to be a child of God. But you know what? When people around us look at our field, they don't see the treasure. They don't know the treasure is there. It's just a boring, ordinary field. And sometimes we can start to feel like, man, this field is kind of boring and dull. And maybe we trip and we fall and we scrape ourselves on some rocks. And we kind of forget there's a treasure in this field. What I have is so incredibly valuable. And this is particularly a challenge, I think, for us here in America. There was this uh, PBS documentary a few years back, and it's on YouTube. If you you Google this word, you'll find the the whole thing. The word is affluenza, affluenza. This was a, a PBS documentary on this condition of affluenza. It's a painful, contagious, socially transmitted condition of overload, debt, anxiety, and waste resulting from the dogged pursuit of more. And the, the, you know, the PBS documentary, it was not a religious thing, it was, but it was just saying that this is a condition that many Americans have, that, that everybody's in this rat race. And we've built this society where there's so much commercialism. You know, you, you see so many commercials and, and, and you, you, see so, you receive so many messages that you don't have enough that everybody just kind of gets caught up in this, in this affluenza. And the fact is, is that the things that, that, that everybody's chasing don't really make us happy anyway. You know, I mean, there's, it's nice to have some comforts and whatever, but the reality is material wealth doesn't make us happy. It doesn't make us happy. Some of the wealthiest people of their day said, you guys all right, some of you recognize Montgomery Burns. He's not a very happy man. Here's what a few other uh, unhappy men said. The care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure. W.H. Vanderbilt said that. I am the most miserable man on earth. John Jacob Astor said that. 
I have made many millions, but they've brought me no happiness. John D. Rockefeller said that. Millionaires seldom smile. Andrew Carnegie said that. I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. Henry Ford said that. You know, these things that people chase, they don't really bring happiness anyway. So that should give us, if we're followers of Jesus, that should give us release. I don't have to chase all that. I can find incredible joy right here because I've found this field and within this field is a treasure that is worth so much more. The treasure principle, and you've heard this a few times, is that you can't take anything with you, but you can send it on ahead. That you can, in other words, you can invest in treasure that's eternal. You can invest in treasure in heaven. So, so we can have value that is way beyond anything any, anyone can take away. Jesus said, no moth or rust can destroy th- this kind of treasure. No thief could break in and steal this kind of treasure. The key that we're going to talk about today, we've been talking through a different, uh, different keys, is giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is the antidote to materialism. And I want us to look at this verse together, 1 Timothy 6. So turn in your Bibles or turn on your Bibles and, uh, and turn to that scripture. As we're turning there, I want to go ahead and say a prayer as we look into the, into the scriptures. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity to look into your word. Uh, thank you that we are so rich in terms of uh, this world and how much we have and how you've blessed us. Help us to have the right perspective. Help us all to learn from your scriptures right now what you want us to learn. I pray that you'd speak to every heart here. Help us to uh, just open ourselves up to hear whatever uh, you want to say to us right now. Thank you that you have blessed us so much. Thank you you have given us Jesus, as Marco talked about, as an offering for our sins. And God, we have everything we need. We have everything we need for complete joy in you. And help us to to really learn that and get that today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So here in 1 Timothy 6, Paul is uh, is telling young young Timothy a bunch of practical things for ministry. Uh, Timothy was a younger minister. Paul was an older minister who mentored him. And he gives him a lot of practical instruction in 1 Timothy 6, 6. He says this, Command those who are rich in this present world... Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So we're going to break this down a little bit, kind of dig through this verse. So he says, command those who are rich in this pleasant, in this present world. How do you feel about your own material situation? Chances are, if you ask everyone here, almost no one would say, oh, I'm rich. We don't feel that way because we always, you can see somebody else. Oh, I'm, you know, like where I live, I'm, I'm on PCH and Hawthorne and I'm right across the street from Best Buy. And so I can kind of look up the hill and just see rows of houses and then the next row of houses and the next row. You know, it's kind of as you go up. In height, so you go up in wealth, right? So it's easy just to every day just see all those houses above me and think, oh, wow, well, I'm not rich. I'm down here at the bottom. But that's the way all of us feel. But you know, when you look at the world, every person here is incredibly rich. I want to show you a quick video that just runs through a few stats. So listen to these stats, and then we'll keep talking here. Watch this. 8% of the people in the world have a car. Stats, huh? 92% of the world doesn't have a car. 
Uh, a billion people don't have access to clean drinking water. You know, I'm drinking this Nestle Pure Life delicious water right now. Uh, some of us will only drink this. We won't drink out of the tap, you know. I mean, it says a, he said a billion people would love just to drink your tap water. I mean, when you think about some of those facts, you go, wow, I am rich. So every person here, you know, this, this scripture applies to you. This, this is for you. This is what Paul was telling Timothy, the evangelist, to command you. Okay, so just picture you're in Timothy's church. Paul is telling your evangelist, this is for, for you. Because this is for you. If you're here today, if, you're, if we're, we live in America, I mean, everyone here is rich. So this is us. So what do we do? What do we do with our, you know, we have wealth. Wealth is not neither good nor bad, right? It's how you view it. It's what you do with it. It's, it's how, it, how it, the effect it has on you. So what do we do, Okay. Okay, he says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. It's not like it's wrong to have wealth. You know, sometimes I can feel guilty just that I have what I have. You know, oh man, you hear those stats, you feel like, wow, I feel bad. You know, are you, is that just me? Sometimes you feel like, man, I feel, feel guilty just for being here. Jeez. Well, there's nothing wrong with, this is our situation. We're rich, we're wealthy, we're American. So what do we do with that? Well, don't put your hope in wealth. Wealth is so uncertain. I mean, so many people learned that in 2008 and those years that followed. Wealth is so uncertain. And God, it's not that God wants to take something from us or God doesn't want to bless us. It's that he wants us to have our hope in the right things. And wealth is so uncertain. Instead, we're supposed to hope in God, put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Is God truly your hope today? Because there's always going to be that struggle. Jesus talked about money a lot because there's always that struggle. Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. You can only have one master. If you're a slave, you only have one. You only answer to one person on your job. You, hopefully you have one person you report to. If you have more than one boss, anybody ever been in that situation? It's really difficult because sometimes they conflict. It's frustrating. But if you have one person you report to, okay, I got one person I got to make happy. That's what Jesus said. You can't serve both God and money. You can't be trying to do both. It's got to be one or the other. And so our hope needs to be in God. And here's the thing about God. What does it say about God? He richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God is a good God. God is a good dad. If you had a, some of us had good dads, some of us had bad dads. God is the perfect dad. I mean, dads, as you're thinking about your kids and you're thinking about Christmas, I mean, you want to you want to provide for your kids, don't you? You want something special for your kids. This is how God is. This is who God is. God wants to provide for us. Uh, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy life. Now, you know, we don't want to put our hope in this life or our hope in material things. But God does want us to enjoy. Does, don't you get that from this verse? OK, so 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 this, this is helping us here. This is helping us with how to how, how to process our wealth. So now what do we need to do? It says command them to do good deeds, to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. What do we do actively? We need to give. We need to be great givers because giving is the antidote to materialism. When we give, it does something for us. We're going to talk more about that in a, in, in a little way in a minute. But. In a very real way, giving is the way that we lay up treasure in heaven. Isn't that what it says? Be, be rich, good deeds, generous, willing to share in this way. 
they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. So they may take hold of the life that is truly life. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead financially. That's good. Uh, in this life, sure, that's fine. But how much more in the next life, right? This is real financial planning. It says when you give, when you're generous, you're storing up treasure for the next life. And, and we don't think enough about that. We don't think enough about heaven or maybe heaven is just kind of this vague picture in our minds. I'm reading a book. I've read a couple, three books in a row on heaven right now. And uh, it's really cool because I think we don't think about it enough. Or maybe we think about just these sort of floating souls or sort of playing a harp on a, uh, you know, on a, on a, on a cloud somewhere. That's not who God is. If you think about this creation and all God put into this creation, and this is just kind of the starter model. You know, this is just kind of, the, uh, this one's made to, to, to be a tent, or this one's made to be a temporary garment. What's the permanent one going to be like? What's the permanent creation going to be like? What's the permanent resurrection body going to be like? You look at Jesus and he rose from the dead. He has a resurrected body. He could do some pretty cool things. He was like a normal person. He could eat and walk and talk to people, but he could also suddenly appear in a room. Or he could suddenly transition on into heaven. And they're like, where'd he go? And the angels are like, He's gone, but he's going to come back. That, that's what we're, the Bible says that's what we're all going to have. We're all going to have a resurrected body. And heaven is going to be a place where we, we're creative and we're, we're, we're having a great time and we're, we're with one another and there is no more death and there is no more mourning and there is no more longing and there is no more Satan and there is no more sin. And we're just going to all be together. You know, there's little bits of that we get sometimes. Sometimes time with family. Uh, time in a conference like we had a few weeks ago where it's just a bunch of disciples and we're just together and we're having a great time. To me, I, I'm, okay, that's a little glimpse of what it's going to be like. We're not going to be bored. We're going to be with friends and we're going to be with God and it's going to be awesome. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff to do and uh, it's going to be awesome. So we've got to be forward thinking and, he- and, and Calvin helped us think about that last week. Remember his picture of the bacon house? That helps Calvin to think about heaven, think about a house made of bacon. It's going to be incredible. Whatever helps you to think about it, we've got to look forward. Giving is the antidote to materialism. It inoculates you. The act of giving is a vivid reminder that it's all about God, not about us. It's saying, I'm not the point, He is the point. He does not exist for me, I exist for Him. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. Giving affirms Jesus' lordship. It dethrones me and exalts him. It breaks the chains of materialism that would enslave me. You know, if you've been around a while, you, you remember the story Jesus told about the parable of the sower. And this is a story of a, of a farmer who's scattering seeds and some of it fell on a path that was hard. Some of it fell on, on soil that was full of rocks. Some of it fell on soil that had weeds and some of it fell on good soil. There was four kinds of soil. You guys remember that? And so, the, you know, the, the, the path, the birds come and the, the, the seed's gone instantly. And the rocky soil, it grows, but then it, it's scorched by the sun because it doesn't develop root. And then the, the, the thorny soil, the soil with weeds, it grows, but it never really gets fruitful. It never really thrives because there's always weeds there that are competing for the resources. And so it doesn't really bear fruit. And then the good soil is, is good soil and it produces this great abundant crop. And so Jesus said the soil is men's hearts and the seed is the word of God. And so there's, we all respond differently to the word of God. I don't know about you, but which one of those soils do you, are you tested with? 
For me, it's the thorny soil. It's the thorny soil. It, it's, it's, there's other things competing for the nourishment that I get from God. I get choked. And what does Jesus say those thorns represent in real life? The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. Those are the things that choke the plant and make it unfruitful. Those are the things that are going to compete. Those are the things Satan is going to use. If you've made it past the rocky stage, you know, you got root, you're here, you're around for a while. That's the way Satan's going to try to get you. Is with weeds in your heart, with things, other things that try to pull you away and try to harden your heart. So, so God is not, again, he's not trying to get something from you. He's not trying to make, make life more difficult for you by calling you to be generous or to give. It's because he wants to help your heart. He wants to help unthorny your heart. He wants to pull those weeds out, those things that are going to try to get to you. It's not that God needs your money. Right? I mean, God created the entire universe out of nothing. Jesus had 5,000 people he needed to feed, and he used a little boy's lunch. I mean, don't you wish we could do that nowadays? That's pretty cool. But God still works miracles. I mean, money can come from... From anywhere, resources can come from the, the strangest places. I'm sure that, you know, Henry's seen this before as an elder. You know, he's seen resources just pop out of nowhere. I've seen Marco's seen this before. God can do anything. It's not that God needs your money. It's that God wants to help you with your heart to be where it needs to be. God cares about you and he loves you. He wants your heart to be in the right place. Of course, money's not the only thing we can give. It's giving of our time, giving of our wisdom, giving of expertise, giving of any form. It breaks selfishness in your heart. It breaks you free from the gravitational hold of money and possessions and it shifts you to a new center of gravity, which is heaven. Okay, so practically, let's talk about this. You know, how do I start? How much do I give? I want to do a little Bible study on tithing. A little Bible study on tithing, this concept of tithing. You know, if you've been around, you've heard this before. Tithing is 10%. It's, it's giving 10%. Where this comes from is, this is back in the Old Testament. This is a logical place to start with the concept of where to give and how much to give. Because this is how God started with his old covenant children. In fact, it goes to before the law. Because Abraham was before the law and he tithed. And Jacob was before the law and he tithed. And so th- th- this was a concept that's older than, you know, and even, even Adam and Eve and the, the early, early stories, you know, uh, Cain and Abel, they bring an offering. We don't know exactly what it was, but this, go, this is really old. So the concept of tithing is even older than the covenant. But here's where you see it in the law. Leviticus 27:30. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So 10%, tithe literally means tenth. So 10% was to be given back to God, set apart. It's not yours to keep. It's it, this is God's. This is, I just set this apart. And then there's other offerings on top of that, free will offerings, and, and Marco talked about that a little bit. But the 10%, that's just a given. Okay, this is God's. And, and you give it first. You know, Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. So you give to God first. You know, He's first. And then, then everything else. And so later on, you know, as we follow the, the story of God's people, their, their hearts turn towards other things. And they got... They got off and they weren't giving to God first. And so hundreds of years later, uh, this, this is written in Malachi 3. God said this to his people. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. 
Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. So you say, Brian, I thought you just said God doesn't need our money. He doesn't. But he's talking about the hearts of these people, the hearts of the, the, the Israelites at the time. That they were robbing God in their hearts because they weren't giving to God what was rightfully his. And, and, and so, you know, th- this is where they got to. But, but this concept of a tithe continued, uh, to, to, at the time of Jesus, it was still the, 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 the standard. Uh, in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus validated it. He's, he's talking about even giving a tithe of small things. Like he said this to the Pharisees. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. What he's saying is, you know, they have a little spice garden and they're growing spices. And you know how spices are. They're teeny little leaves. But they were so meticulous, they count out the little leaves and, okay, 10, 10% of these leaves are God's. So they were really meticulous about giving a tithe, but then they were totally blowing it in these important issues like mercy and justice and loving people. And Jesus is like, Okay, that's good. You do the tithe part. Don't neglect that. But, but get this part too. This is more important. And so you got to ask, how would Jesus feel about the concept of tithing in the New Covenant? You say, well, it's not mentioned in the Gospels uh, past this. It's not mentioned in Acts. It's not mentioned in the New Testament. That's true. What's mentioned in the New Testament is people giving like everything. Uh, you know, they sold a whole, a whole, uh, all their property and give all their money. You know, they, they shared everything they had. So that's what's, in the New Testament. So for us today, you know, you kind of go, well, what do I do in a practical sense? Do I give everything? Should, does God want all of us to be homeless and just serve the Lord as homeless people? I, you know, I don't really think so. So you got to go, okay, what is good? Where do I start? So to me, a tithe is a great starting point because that was the old covenant. And, and if you think about what the new covenant, what Jesus had in mind, I mean, when he when when it came to matters of the law, did he make it? Did he kind of lessen it or did he make it more about the heart? Didn't he make it more about the heart? For example, he said, okay, in the old law, it says, do not commit adultery. I tell you, if you look at a woman lustfully, you're already committing adultery with her in your heart. That's how Jesus worked with the law. So when it comes to tithing, I think he would be like, okay, this is good, but it's got to be about your heart. And it's a starting point. Would Jesus really want us to give less than a tithe? I mean, some people will say, oh, yeah, tithing's not in the New Testament. Usually that's saying, okay, I don't want to give a tithe. Is that how Jesus would really feel about it, though? If you just think about it, how would Jesus feel? Does God expect his new covenant children to give less or more? Did Jesus raise the spiritual bar with the new covenant or did he lower it? I mean, I think he raised it. So it's an unhealthy to view tithing as a place to stop, but I think it is a good starting point. It's, a, it's, a, it's not the ceiling, but it's the floor. It could be training wheels to launch you into great giving. So let's go back to this Malachi verse that's on the screen here. Malachi 3.8. Okay, so these people were, they were robbing God because they weren't giving a tithe. What was God's heart about that? What does he say to them? Look at this. He says a couple of verses later, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you will not have enough room for it. That's God's heart. It's not that he, again, he, he wants to bless us. He wants to release the floodgates of heaven. But he also knows that the stuff has a hold on our hearts. And so if we don't give, he's just going to hurt us by giving us more. Right? Yeah. And, and, you know, some people say, well, I just can't. I can't give a tithe. I'm just not, I can't do it. But think about that. I mean, when you, 
made less, when you made 10% less than you do today, did you survive? You know, if you're, if you're, Work had a situation and said, okay, we're gonna, you're gonna get paid, you're gonna get a 10% pay cut. You might go, okay, well, I'm gonna find another job, but you still would survive. So it's not a, it's not a matter of I can't, it's a matter of I don't want to. And you, you know what? You can choose to do whatever you want to do. It's, you know, God doesn't say you have to. It, in the New Covenant, it's a free will. But, but that's the whole point of, of getting our hearts to the right places, understanding everything I have is God's, and I'm just His money manager. And when you have that perspective, it's actually very freeing and it takes a lot of stress off. Because I, you, you might have heard this before, you might have felt this before, you might have said this before. Like, okay, I'm going to give to God after I deal with all these debts I've, I've made. I feel bad, I wish I could tithe, but I have all this debt. I have all these credit cards and I have this and I have that and I have all this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe once I take care of all this. Maybe you've heard that, maybe you've said that. I, you know, I've seen that. I've been a Christian for... Uh, 25 years, and I've, I've never, ever seen that work. Now, I'm just talking as a brother. I'm not saying it can't work. I'm not saying the scriptures say it can't work. I'm just saying in 25 years of being a Christian, I've never seen that technique work. Okay, Henry says he hasn't either. I mean, what happens is your heart just gets harder and harder. And I, I ha- what I have seen is people give less, they give less, they give less, they focus more on their stuff, and then their heart, the Bible says your heart follows where you put your wealth. And so your heart starts to go into all these other things, and, and the, the heart for God gets less and less and less and less, and the kids are not into, into God, and, and, and the family's not into God, and they're into these other things and into these other things, and pretty soon they're not even here anymore. And we've all seen that happen. And so, again, this is not something because we need to raise money for the church, or we want to build a building, or we want to do this. It's, it's none of that. This is about you and God in your own heart, and, and being joyful, and enjoying the holiday season, and feeling, you know... In a good place with yourself and all your, all your stuff. That's the motivation of this. It's, it's just to help you to have the right perspective. And the thing that's amazing here is God says to test him. Doesn't it say that in verse 10? You know, in other places, the Bible says don't test God. Right? Like when Jesus was tempted and Satan's like, hey, throw yourself off this building and see what happens. Jesus is like, no, it's written in the Bible, do not put the Lord your God to the test. However, this is an exception, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, here, God says right there, test me in this. And so I want to challenge you, if, if that's your situation, if, you, if you've got financial hardship, do the Malachi test. Just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give, no matter what, I don't care how much it hurts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tithe everything that comes in. Every, you know, if I make $100, $10 is God's. And I'm just going to do that, and say for the rest of the year or the next six months or the next year and just set an alarm clock. Set an alarm on your on your little calendar on your phone or whatever. Okay, I'm going to set an alarm in six months and I'm just going to, I'm going to write down some things I feel about my finances right now and my situation. I'm going to journal that and then in six months, I'm going to tithe for six months and then I'm going to look at it and I'm going to see how I feel about everything and what has happened in, the, in that time, in that six months. I, I challenge you to take this test. You know, people do this with their with their physical health, right? You know, you... Do uh, P90X? You take pictures of yourself before, and then you you gotta you gotta stick to it, and then you take pictures of yourself after, and you see oh what happened. I'm just saying, do that with your finances. Take pictures of your finances, your situation. Tithe for a while, to, you know, give it the, give it a good a good go, but give it the the, the 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 Malachi test, and then and then take pictures again and see what changed. Is this verse true? Is God, you know, does this really apply? Now, I'm not saying, this is not health, wealth, gospel. I'm not saying, you know, 
Because Jesus does say, if you, whatever you give up, you'll get a hundred times as much. That's a principle. I don't think it means, you know, you're, you're going to suddenly find wealth and you're going to find health. And you know, Jesus promised we would have trouble. That's what he promised. In this world, you will have trouble. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. So, so Jesus promised us hope through the trouble. And, and we will be blessed. It, 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 I, it comes financially, too. I mean, everybody I've seen that's been like going through hardships and they go, I'm just going to continue to tithe, I, I, you know, I, I, and tithe what you're coming in. Not, I'm not talking about if you'd have nothing coming in, but you tithe what's coming in. And, and I've seen God so many times just work it out out of nowhere. God just comes through. And it's a really cool thing to, uh, to, to do with God. There was a, a brother in Long Beach that had a little contest. His name was John Ivey. He said, I'm going to see if I can outgive God. And so he was giving all these things. He was doing all this stuff. Um, I, at the time, I had this really uh, kind of cheap guitar. And I would play for some church stuff, but my guitar wasn't very good. And he had a nice guitar, this nice Takamini. And this one day, he says, Brian, I want you to have this guitar. And, you know, it's kind of humbling. I'm like, no, I can't take that. I, I will not take that from you. He's like, no, I want you to have this guitar. I'm like, bro, I can't accept it. He's like, Brian. And he got kind of stern with me. He goes, don't rob me of my joy of giving. There you go. So it's like, okay, okay, I'll take the guitar. But it's funny because, I mean, I look at how God has used me to do different music things and all that. And so much of it started with that guitar. Because I was able to play music on church at church that didn't sound bad. <laughs> And, and I realized, oh, there is, there, it's, I see how having a better quality instrument makes a big difference. And, uh, and, you know, I started doing all kinds of stuff with that guitar. And that guitar is currently used every Sunday in the West Side. There's a brother that plays it in the West Side every Sunday. To this day, it's been used every Sunday for those, you know, 15 years or whatever since, since John gave me that guitar, 12 years or whatever. Uh, boy, God has used that gift. And, and, and that's what God does. You can't outgive God. Whatever you give for God, God's saying, just test me. Just see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and just see if it's not uh, um, amazing. But so often we just kind of get so consumed with all of our stuff and we, we just know, God, I want to figure it out on my own. I want to figure it out on my own. You know, it's like you're in a boat and you're taking on water and Jesus is in the boat with you. And you're like, Jesus, I'm taking off on water. You can walk on water. Go get out of the boat. Go walk on water. Let me deal with this. Jesus is right there in the boat with you. Wouldn't you rather work together? I feel like when, when you give to God first, it's like you're together working on your finances. You're going, God, okay, we're together. You know, I'm, 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 I've got my priorities where they need to be. Now help me with this problem. And, and so often it's a problem. Some of us, you know, it's a problem we didn't create. You know, the, the 2008 hit, different things happened. But for a lot of us, it is a problem we created. We spent money that wasn't ours. We lived like we made more than we actually made. We, you know, we did it to ourselves. And so it's, it's not right to say, God, OK, I'm going to I'm not going to give to you because I did this to myself. Get God on. You know, let's work together with God and get his blessing. I thought about uh, my kids and when they were littler, they loved to go to Chuck E. Cheese. You guys like going to Chuck E. Cheese? Some of you do. Uh, it's so fun. You know, it's a funny place. But uh, but there's there, Chuck E. Cheese has its own currency, right? There's the little coins you get. You get a big, you know, a big thing of the coins, and you give them to your kids, and uh, and then your kids use the coins, and some of the some of the money, some or some of the games they play gives them tickets. And then they get the tickets, and then they turn those in, and they get 
high quality toys. <laughs> so it's the whole currency thing there. And, you know, can you imagine giving your kids coins and they wouldn't give you a couple coins back to play a game? I mean, how would you feel? I just gave you those coins. And yet that's how we are with God sometimes. Like God gives us stuff. In his mind, it's just junk, right? It's just Chuck E. Cheese coins. And he's just saying, give me a couple back. And we're like, oh, no, 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 I need all my coins. And then, and then imagine your kids are having this fight with each other and they're hurting each other and they're, 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 you know, scratching each other because they're having these big fights over their tickets and, uh, you know, I want my ticket. No, my ticket's mine, mine, mine. You know, that's how God looks at us in our fights about stuff. It's just Chuck E. Cheese tickets of paper. It's meaningless. And you're going to turn those in for this plastic junk that's going to last for a week and then I'm going to throw it away while you're at school. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? That's God's perspective. That's God's perspective. I want to share about, uh, I want to share about my daughter Cora. Um, we did this thing this summer, and I'm, I, please don't tell her, I mean, if you want to say something to her, just say, oh, uh, your dad said that you have a great heart for the poor, or something like that, because I don't want her to be embarrassed, but, um, but we, we had, this summer we, we had chores, uh, in our household. And we had a kind of a rotation of which, which chores the kids did. And so at the end of a week, we would evaluate. They would earn between zero and five dollars for that week, depending on how they had done with their chores. And so if they did a great job with their chores, they'd get five dollars. If they did a medium job, they'd get three dollars or whatever. So we were trying to, you know, incentivize them and give them this money. So she, she made some good money. She had like forty dollars or whatever. So she had it from a few other sources, forty, fifty dollars or something saved up for this summer. Uh, and she was talking about different things she wanted to buy. But um, with the, the, the International Day of Giving and, and the, all that we did for the Philippines, uh, you know, the, the disaster in the Philippines, she was hearing about that. We had a small group uh, meeting and, and Rick did a devotional. We talked about the Philippines and we looked at pictures of the Philippines. And she said, you know what, Dad, I want to give all of my summer money to the poor. I want to give all of it to the poor. And, you know, at first you're kind of like, oh, you know, it tested my heart. Because, you know, in my heart, I'm like, well. Maybe you should just give a tenth of it to the poor, you know. Dustin, kind of like, okay, honey, that's that's great if that's what you want to do. And Dustin even talked to her a little bit about tithing and everything, but whatever she wants to do. And she just said, I want to give it all. And she was so excited about it. We talked about how Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive and how it really makes you excited and joyful when you give. And she was so, she was just exuberant and effervescent, you know, just so excited to give all of her money to the poor. Because she's like, I have everything I need anyway. And, and, and they, they don't even have somewhere to sleep. They're, they're just poor. They, they don't have anything. I just want to give all of it. You know, and, 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 and from, from a, a logical standpoint, it's like, okay, this 40 or $50, does that make a big difference? You know what I mean? And, and, but from a heart standpoint, as a father, how do I feel about her? That's how I feel like God feels about us. Because you might think, oh, it's not much. What difference is it really going to make? God loves a cheerful giver. When you have a heart like my daughter Cora, I mean, God just, oh, I want to bless. I want to bless. That's how I feel about Cora. I'm like, oh, man, she's going to get extra Christmas presents this year. <laughs> We're going to give her way more than $40 worth of stuff. You just want to bless that heart because she's just, you know, her heart to give. It's just incredible. And, and so, you know, think about giving with that spirit. And uh, 
there's one more story I'm going to tell, and then we're actually going to take an offering for our, our, our weekly offering here in just a second. I'll say a prayer for the weekly offering, so the ushers are going to get that ready. But one more story Jesus told, and, and this might not be an exact, correct, biblical illustration or whatever, so bear with me. This is just something I like to think about. Okay, so one thing about tithing is it's easy math. It's very easy math. I don't know if that's why God chose it, but, you know, God chose baptism. You get saved, you get your sins washed away when you repent and you're baptized. That's the point where your sins are, are, are washed away as you respond to God's grace. Why did he choose water? Well, there's water everywhere. <laughs> Three quarters of the earth is covered in it. You need water to survive. You can't be anywhere without water. So he chose water. Why did he choose the tithe? I mean, to me, it's just easy math. A lot of us are not that smart. But... But for the teens, now, not the, uh, teens, okay, I'm not saying you're not that smart, but I'm just saying, this is a great place to start, okay? You earn $20 for babysitting. Maybe it's way more than that nowadays. I don't know what the going rate is. Let's say you earn $20. You give how much of that? $2. See, that's easy. Just take off a zero. So then, then you know, you, as, as you grow, you, you earn $200 for something that you do. Singles, you know, you earn $200 in, in, in a, a good day at, at your job. Okay, so 20 of that is God's. You earn $2,000. Okay, 200 of that. It's just easy math. That helps me. I like easy math. Now, again, we look at you give above and beyond and do more. That's great, but it's just easy math to go, okay, a tenth. That's really easy math. And there's a story Jesus told of, of these lepers. And there was 10 of them, and he healed all 10. And how many came back to say thank you? One. Only one, a tenth. One came back to say thank you. So I like to think of my money as being diseased like the lepers, you know. <laughs> but one comes back to say thank you. That tent, that, 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 that tie that's like the one leper coming back saying, thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you've done for me. Thank you, God. And that just helps my heart to be in the right place. Uh, my guess, and I could be wrong, is that some of us need to give our giving a jump start. Uh, it, you know, the Bible says we should learn to excel in this grace of giving. If you're not tithing, then I, I, I give you the challenge. Go for that Malachi test. Give it a try. See what happens. If you're already tithing, maybe you want to think about more creative ways to give more, to give above and beyond, to give out of joy, like, like my daughter Cora. The bottom line is, when we do, it's, the Bible says, that, that verse we read in 1 Timothy, it's storing up treasure for ourselves. It's, it, God sees and he knows and he takes it personally and it's an investment in our spiritual future. Giving is the antidote to materialism. Let's be great givers. Let's, let's pray for our weekly offering. God, thank you for this opportunity to give to you right now and thank you for all the ways that you've blessed us. Uh, thank you that we can give back to you as that leper coming back happy and joyful and, and grateful. I pray that uh, anything we give to you can be an expression of joy, not, nothing reluctant, nothing that's... Uh, uh, you know, a regret or, or out of compulsion, but just out of joy that we can give to you. Thank you for this opportunity to give right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we uh, have our offering, we're going to have a, a couple announcements. Johnson is going to come up with, uh, with an announcement. I really appreciate Calvin and Elaine. Calvin did such a great job last week preaching. And, uh, amen. And they are... Um, Calvin and Lane are such an incredible example we can look to in our own ministry of people who give uh, financially, but also